so I stopped with, I believe this is the catch, even though our faith is shaken at times, even though our faith is disrupted, we must understand that behind it, God is at work. So even though things are going on, we need to understand that God's at work. The, the enemy, you know, the Bible says, when the enemy comes in, they put the comma in the wrong place. Like a flood, God raises up a standard against him. So God is always, he's our shield, our, our buckler, our protector. And we need to see that. We need to realize that he is constantly there. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So, you know, Father, I just thank you tonight for this service. I thank you tonight for the teaching. I yield myself to you, spirit, soul, and body. I thank you, God, that your anointing is here to destroy every yoke of bondage. I bind every demonic spirit, principality, and power that would try to steal the word, and I loosen the power and the anointing of God. We thank you, God, that this is the, we're in a time when you are pouring out your spirit all over the world, and there are changes that are taking place daily. And you are opening eyes and opening ears, Father. And so we give you praise, glory, in Jesus' name. I'd like to go to, the Lord wants me to go to the 23rd Psalm, so let's go there. And I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. The Lord is my shepherd to feed, guide, and shield me. I shall not lack, or I shall not want. So to feed, to guide, and to shield me. Verse 2, he makes me lie down in fresh, tender grass, green pastures. He leads me to beside still and restful waters. A lot of people say, well, how do I know I'm hearing from God? He will lead you where there's peace. He'll lead you where there's refreshing and still and peaceful waters. Even though there could be turmoil, well, we'll go on. He refreshes and restores my life, myself. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. He will always lead you in the path of righteousness. He's not going to lead you out to go and do something of the, of the enemy. You know, if, he, if you're with non-believers, then you're there for a purpose. You're there to witness to them. Amen? That's what you're there for. And if you're going out and having a good time with non-believers and you're not witness to, witnessing to them, then you need to check something. Because that is how people get into the trap of the enemy. Is they, they think, well, you know, I'm just going to go and be with these people and, and it's okay and, and I know them and I'm safe. All of a sudden, you start slipping back to your old ways and you, you, all of a sudden you're already there from what people tell me that have backslidden, okay? You're already there and you didn't even realize it. It happened just so fast. And so he, he'll lead you... It says, he refreshes my soul and my, restores my life. Let's go back to two. He makes me lie down in fresh, tender, green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. He refreshes and restores my life, myself, and he leads me in the paths of righteousness, uprightness and right standing with him, not for my earning it, but for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley, the deep, sunless valley of the shadow of death, I will fear or dread no evil, for you are with me. Your rod to protect, your staff to guide, and they comfort me. 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint, you anoint my head with oil. My brimming cup runs over. Surely only goodness, mercy, and unfailing love shall follow me all the days of my life. And through the length of my days, the house of the days, length of my days, the house of the Lord and his presence shall be my dwelling place. So through my days, you know, when you're tempted to go off and do something that you shouldn't, go to verse 6. God, through the length of my days, the house of the Lord in your presence shall be my dwelling place. That'll, that'll shake you up kind of. It'll say, you know, get you back on track. Amen. So let's go ahead and turn to. God wanted me to, to share that. So the heart of the message. This message is about faith. Someone asked me what I named it. And so I, asked, I told them, you go ahead and name it something about faith. Uh, pastor names his sermons. I don't. So the foundation to faith is belief. Three things. Belief, trust, and most importantly, relationship. Belief, trust, and relationship. So if we don't have belief, the foundational to faith is belief, trust, and relationship. We have to believe that this word... Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not, think, not seen. That this word, this faith, we, first we believe it. Even though we might not see it, we believe it because the word of God says it. We trust. A lot of people were raised in, in circumstances and situations where it was hard for them to trust a father figure or a man or, or sometimes even their mothers or, or women. But most of the time, it's a male figure that should, should have been their father. A lot of people go through this. And so it's hard for them to trust so many times the word of God. And then most important is our relationship. What is our relationship with God? You know, are we walking with God? You know, Enoch walked with God and he was no more. Adam and Eve, before they sinned, were in the garden. God would come down and talk to them every day and walk with them. Well, Jesus paid the price, so we have that opportunity to walk with the Holy Spirit continually every day. But it's up to us to take it. Do we take it? You know, we can continually walk with God and be in the Spirit all during the day, no matter what we're doing, in His presence and allowing Him to lead us and guide us. And so that's where we all need to desire to be and allow the blessings of God to constantly be with us, even in the valley of the shadow of death. You know, a shadow has never hurt anybody. We, we're not runners, we're, we're, we're fighters. You know, God's building an army to, to go forth and march and to fight and to be in control. So how do we grow in true faith? How do we increase our trust in God? One of the answers to this question is that we must add something to our faith. And it, like I said Sunday, 
you might have a good timeless watch, but it's not going to run without batteries. You might have the, the greatest, oh, is it a Maserati? Is that a real expensive sports car? Okay. But if it doesn't have a battery, it's not going to run. It's not going to do you any good. If it's out of gas, it's not going to do you any good. And so think about this. We've got to have the batteries or the power behind it for this to work. So as we go to 1 Peter 1, 1 through 9, we're not going to expand on it. Like I was saying in verse 1, Peter, let's all turn there. I think what I marvel about in this, he's, he tells us, if we do all this, all these things, then we're not going to have, we're going to be in a situation that we're not going to have to deal with problems that we deal with anymore. If we allow, take these steps and allow, and allow these steps to be developed in our lives, and then well, we'll get to the end in a little bit. All right, verse 1, we know that Peter was writing to those who had obtained faith. Well, I believe every one of us in this room is born again. Number 2, grace and peace is multiplied. And this is verse 2, when we know God. So grace and peace are multiplied to us when we know God, when we know the Word. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. Not that the world gives, but my peace I leave. And as you read about Jesus' life here on the earth, he was constantly peaceful no matter what. Even when he was beating the money changers out of the, the, the te temple court, he was at peace. He was in righteous indignation and, and he was dealing with it. This is God's house. This is my father's house. You know, in the back of, um, and the greeters need to show people this, in the back of, of, of our some wise, it has at the bottom a unique request. Our sanctuary is a special place for us to minister unto the Lord. We ask that you respect the holiness of our sanctuary by not talking with one another while in the sanctuary, feel free to use the foyer for your conversations. Now, sometimes after church, people will come in up and I will pray with them and minister to them. We have to make this place a sanctuary for God. We need to make this place, even the, when you're cleaning the church, come in worshiping and praising God. Make, make this an atmosphere where God is welcome and desired where he wants to be you know it it saddens me when i go to a church and the pastor has to get up there and stand there tap on the mic whatever to, to get the people to be quiet god is desires to be respected in everything he does okay number three god's power has given us everything that we need pertaining to life that's verse three number four he has given us great and precious promises to help us partake of his nature. So God has given us everything to help us to partake of his nature. 
and to help us overcome worldly lusts, verse 4. Let's look at verse 4. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. Um, 2 Peter 1, 4. I'm sorry, I'm in 1 Peter right now. Okay. By means of these, he has bestowed upon us his precious and exceedingly great promises so that through them you may escape by flight from the moral decay, rottenness, and corruption that is in the world because of covetousness, lust, and greed, and become sharers, partakers of the divine nature. So we are to be sharers and partakers of his divine nature. Then he goes on to say in verse 5, and let's read 5, it says, And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. So I'm going to read it in the Amplified for this very reason. Adding your diligence to the divine promises, employ every effort in exercising your faith to develop virtue, excellence, resolution, Christian energy, and exercising virtue, develop knowledge, intelligence. So he's asking us, adding diligently, employ every effort in exercising your faith to develop virtue. Excellent resolution Christian energy. He's, Peter's saying, you know, if you read 1 Peter and then you read 2 Peter, there's a big difference in the man. He's learned a lot from 1 Peter to 2 Peter. His life has changed because he's become and learned more about the Word of God. You know, Paul's writings, even though they walked with Jesus, they talked with Jesus, they broke bread with Jesus, there were things that they didn't understand and they didn't realize. And so the Holy Spirit was given for them to rely on and be taught by the Holy Ghost. And if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us every day and, and bring us to the Word and everything we do, then we're kind of lost out there. And so he's saying here in verse 5 that employ every effort in exercising your faith. So every opportunity that you have, exercise your faith. Because we know in John, or not John, but James 1, Count it all joy when you encounter divers tests and trials, knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience. The devil wants your faith. He doesn't care about you. Because he can get your faith, he can get you. I mean, that's what he wants to take. He wants to take your faith away from you. It's our faith in Jesus Christ that's going to get us to heaven. And so... Count it all joy when you encounter these divers tests and trials. Don't get mad. Don't try, try to figure it out. You know, I'll go back and say, Father, is there something that I've done? Or is this just part of the world? Is this, this junk just part of what goes, goes on with living in these times that we're living in the world? I mean, there are mean, ugly people out, of, out there. I could ask Reuben about people that come through his line in the morning. I personally don't like to get up at six o'clock in the morning. I, you know, I, I can just see people, I can imagine them running in to get their coffee to wake them up. Am I correct? How many people are half there when they're running in to get their coffee? Is there a change in them after they get their caffeine? 
Oh, I know you do. No, that's good. Well, because they want their coffee. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know my mom was always, I'll talk to you after I have my coffee, you know, in the morning. <laughs> so, anyway, he, 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 how could you get upset at Reuben anyway? He's so easygoing and kind. Praise the Lord. Anyway, so, so because of these things, God tells us to apply diligence to our walk with him. We have to become diligent in our walk. We can't just, eh, today I'm going to read my Bible and today I'm going to praise and worship you. And tomorrow, if I get involved and I don't read the word today, well, that's okay. No, it's not. If you can eat, then you can read the word. If you're going to eat, then you can read the word. If you can eat three times a day, you can read the word three times a day. Hallelujah. It's sad to me to see people sitting down. Well, you know, you can get the word on your, on your phone. If you're going to sit down and text, read the word first. You understand what I'm saying? It's, it's really sad to see couples. We were in a restaurant one time during lunch, and you could tell this couple was dating. And the minute they sat down, she got on her phone. And you could see this guy was so frustrated. And he thought he got up, went to the bathroom, and I think he figured she's going to get off the phone sooner or later. And he, he came back, and she was still on it. He just waited patiently. By golly, when her food got there, she quit talking on the phone. She quit texting, not talking. She was texting. She quit, and she ate. I, you know, I just I looked I looked at it and thought that's sad. That's really sad. People don't know how to communicate. What a marriage that'd be. Faith leads the... Oh, Lord. I can't even want to laugh. Faith leads and love brings up the rear. And here is what we want to focus on today. Verses 5 through 7. Are you ready? For this very reason, adding to your diligence to the divine promises, employ every effort in exercising your faith to develop virtue, excellent resolution, Christian energy, and in exercise virtue, develop knowledge, intelligence. And in exercising knowledge, develop self-control. Do you see all the things you're going to have to do? Add to yourself before self-control is going to come. I mean, think about this. These, Peter has this list for a reason. And so all these things you're going to have to add to your, to your life. And then self-control can come. So just think about this here for a minute. He didn't start with self-control. We get down to this list of what we need to add and add and add and add and then comes self-control. Sometimes you want to tell people, control yourself. Just control yourself. <laughs> Exercising... <laughs> Don't make me laugh, Ruben, because I've wanted to laugh all day long. I, I have. Um, and in exercising, develop self-control. And, and, and in exercising self-control, 
develop steadfastness. So once you develop self-control, then you develop steadfastness. You know what self-control is? I'm going to be at church every time the doors are open, no matter what. I'm going to control myself and tell it, self, you're getting there no matter what. And the enemy's going to try to do everything he can and use every excuse he can to keep you away. Every excuse. So you get this self-control dealt with. Get self out of the way and control it. I'm going to make you mind me. How many of you have seen children? They're out of control. Well, Laurel has a preschool, so she, daycare, preschool. She's having some this year that are spending a lot of time in timeouts because she can't whip them. Okay, we'll move on. You know, when we were in Oklahoma, um, we both drove school bus part-time. They whipped them. They didn't behave. This is how it was on the bus. You, if they didn't behave, you could pull the bus over and tell them to get off. If they were so bad, they really got bad, you could take them to the bus barn and he whipped them. I mean, what would be the difference if, I mean, and of course he didn't beat them, but what would be the difference? I mean, when I was in school, you got in trouble, the teacher or the principal spanked you. I never got spanked. I got enough at home, but says use the rod on your kids and it'll keep their their soul out of hell we have a problem in this country of kids that their souls in hell they're listening to things that open them up to the devil in the days we live in games um, sell things on their cell phones whatever okay let's go on praise the Lord I have to laugh. We have a friend that tells everybody to shut off their cell phones. And I'll never forget, we were at a funeral and his cell phone went off as he was doing the funeral. I was just thinking about that. So we need, need self-control here. And then when we get self-control, we develop steadfastness, patience, endurance. And in exercising steadfastness, we develop godliness. And in exercising godliness, we develop brotherly affection. And in exercising brotherly affection, we develop Christian love. For as these qualities are yours and increasing, abound in you, they will keep you from being idle and unfruitful under the full personal knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So whoever, we get down to, to verse 8, but if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see far off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. 
So these are the things that are promised as we go down this line. In the same way, faith without spiritual batteries is dead, is the same way the timeless. Faith without the spiritual batteries listed in these verses is dead. We have to have virtue. We have to have... Let's go down them again in the, in the King James. Grace be unto you, verse 2, and be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of the Lord and of Jesus our Lord according to his divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us into glory and virtue. So we've got to have the word, church. Wherefore, given unto you exceedingly great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and virtue knowledge, and knowledge temperance, and temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is so powerful, especially in this hour, in every situation, then you will know what the Word of God says and how to operate in it. You'll never be left out there in a place where you do not know how to deal with the situation. But this is going to take work. Add to this, this, add to this, this, add to this, this. Then you get down, self-control is almost one of the last things. Really, think of it. I would just say, you know, write down, take, make a list and ask God, God, in what areas do I not have self-control? He will tell you. We could summarize verses 1 through 9 like this. You have faith. Your knowledge of God increases grace and peace. The power of God helps you to live your life in victory. His promises help you to become like him and to steer clear of worldly ways. Now, because of these things, be diligent. Be diligent. Since you have faith, add the following ingredients. So we all have faith. We've all been given the measure of faith when we are born again. Thank God. Every, you know, everybody starts out equal. That's the neat thing. Every one of us, started out equal, we got born again. And at that point, we were given the measure of faith. Then we add, then we need to grow in faith. How does faith come? Out loud, I want to know. By hearing the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. And hearing and he has like, yes, amen. Hearing and hearing and hearing some more. What I do at night, and I've found it works for me, I turn my um, iPad on, my Bible on the iPad, and I have it where I listen to it, and I read it. I listen to it, and I read it. And just, I'm not studying at that time. There's a difference between studying the Word and hearing the Word and, and reading it. 
When you study the word, you're digging in and you're studying it and you're looking at, at, at for me, it's different subjects. The way I study the word, I'll look at different subjects or I'll do a word study on what does this truly mean. But I just turn it on and, and usually pastors in the room, when I do this part of my Bible reading and my studying, and we're listening to it together. He's, you know, doing something else with the, usually with the puppies, it's their time to be loved and ministered to by him and and he's doing what he's doing and we're listening to the word together and i'm i'm reading at that time also but the more you hear it the more it becomes a part of you and faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of god so then we start developing these things so because now because of these things be diligent since you have faith add the following moral excellence knowledge i'll go slow moral excellence what would you think moral excellence is and mike don't answer unless someone else until someone else does what is moral excellence to you and people have asked me do you really want the answer yes I do. You're going to get it if nobody answers. Pardon? Above reproach. Okay. Anybody else? Mike, do you have anything you want to share? What's, what's above reproach? Do you? Someone want the mic? A mic? He says, you're not phased by the darts of the enemy. Moral excellence. Anybody else want to share on what moral excellence is? There are things that, in these times that we live in, that are immoral. But the world thinks it's okay. They're extremely immoral. You know, you talk, they, you mention holiness and you're laughed at. Yet Jesus, or the Lord says, be ye holy as I'm holy. Be ye holy as I am holy. Now when I think about God, when I think about Jesus, the way he walked on this earth, I think, but I think about what God has to look at every day, all day long that's on this earth. And yet, he operates in love. So, anybody else want to share moral excellence? What is to be moral to you? I haven't gotten my dictionary out for so long. Everybody think a while. That's good. I knew you'd come up. Obey God's word. What else? Do, God's word. Do it. How many have ever been around immoral, an immoral person? <laughs> it's not too hard to be, you know, nowadays. Used to be, you know, uh, when I was a kid, 
the stores weren't open on Sunday, so, you know, that was a day, you know, you say, wow, you must really be old. Um, stores were, weren't open on Sunday. You didn't see the things you see now. You, you would never see a store or anything open on Christmas, Thanksgiving, any holiday. Okay, we're going to look up what moral means, okay? So we know what moral is. Do you have more to say, Mike? Because that's fine while I'm looking it up. Mm-hmm. Okay, y'all ready to know what, what, what good old Webster, who was a Christian, has to say about moral, what moral means? Might want to write it down. Moral. Oh, wow, there's a lot. Okay. Manners. One, relating to dealing with or capable of making the right, making the distinction between right and wrong in conduct. Two, relating to, serving, to teach, or in accordance with the principles of right and wrong. You know, kids today don't know that. They don't know it. Three, good or right in conduct or character. Often specifically virtuous in sexual conduct. Opposed to immoral. Four, based on general observation of people rather than on what is demonstrated as moral evidence. Let me see. This is a good one. Being virtually such because of its effects on thoughts, attitudes, or because of its general results as a moral victory. So it starts here. You know, what the enemy does to believers nowadays is sad. Well, others are doing it. Who says it's not wrong? So-and-so's doing it. You know in your heart, if it's, would, I always ask this, would Jesus do this? Would Jesus want to go here? You know, a lot of people go to movies that we personally don't because we had to walk out of so many of them, even the, um, <laughs> just the, what do they call them, the previews of coming attractions. We have walked out so many times. Just said, forget it. Okay. Using, sitting there and hearing them use God's name in vain. I used to use God's name in vain. God and Jesus, to me, with the way I was raised, the household, what I was raised in, was never in praise and worship. I will tell you. I didn't know any different because that's what I heard. Moral excellence. 
such because of its effects on thoughts, attitudes, etc., or because of its general result as moral victory based on strong probability, moral implication, or moral lessons taught by uh, when I lost standards or habits with respect to right or wrong conduct. Moral implies conformity with the, with, with the generally accepted standards of goodness or rightness in conduct or character. Hmm. Virtuous implies morally excellent character, integrity, and often specifically chastity. So, so much of this, I could go on down this, but so much of it has to do with sexual conduct. I'm going to be honest with you, it does. If I, went, if I were to do so much here. Righteous implies a being morally blameless or justifiable. So, How many believe we have a lot of morality running around in the times and the ages that we're in? Heather, you're a high school teacher. Is it very moral there? How many, how many, how many percentage of kids would you say? Very many? You're, you're standing on the fifth tonight. I don't even, there's even places I just don't even like to go. I don't even like to go to the grocery store anymore. Okay, moral excellence, knowledge, self-control. So these are the things that we need to be diligent in. Since you have faith, add the following ingredients. Moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. If these seven things are in you, and they are increasing, you will be fruitful, not barren. Now that's heavy. Let's go back and look at this, because this is heavy. Sometimes people ask them, ask, well, why, you know, we all have. Well, why isn't this working, or what's going wrong, or what's, what's the deal here? Well, this is a good list to go by. Is there moral excellence in my life? Do I have knowledge in my life? Do I have self-control? Am I perseverant? Am I, am I godly? Am I operating in brotherly kindness? That's a hard thing sometimes, to operate in brotherly kindness. Because unfortunately, so many times, the carnal Christians that you hire are the ones that do the sloppiest work. And then love. If these seven things are in you and they are increasing, you will be fruitful and not barren. So to me, this is a checklist that we all need to go through. 
If you lack these qualities, you're blind and you have left your first love, forgetting the forgiveness that you received at the beginning of your walk with God. The rest, I want to structure the remainder of this message in a very simple format. You ready? Since you have faith, we all have it, add moral excellence. Since you have a relationship with God, be a person of character. Character is the reality of who you really are and what you really do. Many of you have heard the old quote that goes like this, your, your ideal is what you wish you were. Your reputation is what people say you are. Your character is what you really are. I'll say it again. Your ideal is what you wish you were. So we all have to have Faith is the substance of things hoped for. We've got to have something, some goal out there that we're believing for, that we see. You know, Paul had, Paul actually said, follow me as I follow Christ. I don't know too many people today that could say that. Follow me as I follow Christ. I mean, that, that's heavy. So your ideal is what you wish you were. Well, I, I look at Paul, who said, follow me as I follow Christ, who was the one that said, one thing I do is leaving the past behind. In other words, that's gone. Nothing I can do about it unless I've offended someone, then I can go ask them to forgive me. You know, whatever. But leaving the past behind, it's the past. And he said, and pressing, pressing, literally, what's, what's one word, one of the versions said that he is, In other words, literally being squeezed onto the mark of high calling. I'm pressing on. I'm moving on. And so your ideal is what you wish for. Your rep reputation is what people say you are. Your character is who you really are. Oh, or, not oh, or. If you sow a thought, you reap an act. If you sow a thought, we reap an act. If we sow an act, we reap a habit. If we sow a habit, we reap character. If we sow character, we reap destiny. That's powerful. I'm going to say them again. If we sow a thought, we reap and act. So we've got, that's why we've got to be so careful what we allow in our thought life. Casting down imaginations and reasonings and 
every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Every day, every day, every believer will have some thought try to stay in their mind and get them to think something that they don't want to think. I'm not saying it's perverse or it's just some thought that's contrary to the word. You know, if you let your mind be idle long enough, the enemy's going to throw some, some, something there. So if we learn how to weigh everything according to what Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And Jesus said, I come to give life and life more abundantly. And if we weigh everything out in that arena, then we will not be misled. That's how I learned to renew my mind, by the Word of God. I had to go to the, go to the Word on every single thing. My mind was a mess when I got saved. My, my spirit was saved, but my mind had to be renewed. And so every thought I had, I mean, I was rebuking the devil constantly. I was rebuking self. I was rebuking everything I could think of. And then someone finally said, go to 1 John 1, 9, stand on it, and start. It was Fred Price, actually. It was his tape on the mind, the arena of faith that changed my life. I wore the tape out. It changed my life, how our mind is the arena of faith, and constantly we're stepping into that box, that what do they call it? The arena where they box. And you're going to have a battle constantly. And so you're, the idea is to win. Amen. And the only way we can win is through the word. And when things are yelling at you and screaming at your mind and telling you this and telling you that, you've got to take the word and put it in its place constantly. Rob Thompson, to me, literally was in the nut house with demons yelling at him and screaming at him and everything else. And he took the word of God and took it to, to the Lord constantly every time he'd have a thought. And he got himself delivered by the word of God and through the word of God. And so if we sow a thought, we reap an act. If we sow an act, we reap a habit. If we sow a habit, we reap character. If we sow character, we reap a destiny. So everything comes by sowing. Jesus said when he talks about the sower, sowing the, the word, if you learn this parable, you'll understand everything else. And so knowledge, it is, no, it is notable that character precedes knowledge. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3, 6, if you want to turn there, the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. The letter kills, but the spirit gives life. This is not to say that knowledge isn't good, but knowledge without character doesn't impress God. Did y'all get there? 2 Corinthians 3, 6. 
we learn anything tonight, let's learn this one thing. You know, people are becoming discouraged. We have to slap ourselves out of that. Get ourselves out of it. Stop it. Don't murmur. Don't complain. Don't be like the children of Israel. 2 Corinthians 3.6 It is He who has qualified us, making us to be fit and worthy and sufficient as ministers and dispensers of the new covenant of salvation in Christ, not ministers of the letter of legally written code, but of the Spirit, for the code of the law kills, but the Holy Spirit makes alive. King James, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. This is this is not to say that knowledge isn't good, but knowledge without character doesn't impress God. Here's, here's the rub of the whole thing. Hosea 4, 6 says, My people are destroy, destroyed for a lack of knowledge. They're literally destroyed for a lack of knowledge. If we do not have the knowledge of the Word of God, we're destroyed. We can't move forward. It just, you're like you're stuck. How many have ever felt like, I keep praying and I keep doing, but I keep hitting this wall. If you feel like you're bouncing off a wall. Keep pushing on. Keep adding the word. Keep speaking the word. The word always works. God is not a man that he could lie. It, I'm going to tell you, when you're at that place, it's the devil trying to wear you out. He knows. He, see, he can see what's out there for you right, right, right around the corner. So he's going to do everything he can to get you to give up. You, and you've got to just tell him, shut up. I remember years ago, years ago, when we first started our first church, my pastor would, he had this, he had a Matt's closet that he locked himself up in eight hours a day and he prayed and studied the word eight hours a day I, did, I got claustrophobic just going in the thing and yet he lived in the thing remember that closet eight hours a day every day and he came out and and he came out and he said I feel like I'm hitting a wall well, it, it took, remember that? And it took him literally taking himself and putting himself in the Word and in prayer eight hours a day continually for a year before he saw through this. Why? Because the enemy did not want us here. The enemy fought tooth and nail to get us out of here. And we moved for 10 days and came back. But the pressure was so heavy. So heavy. And that's what a lot of people are going through in this hour. Do not give up. Press in. Dig deeper. Get in the word. 
get in prayer. The only place he could find where there was complete one time I remember we rented you a room at some hotel and we didn't have that much money. Remember that place? It was down here on Broadway, North Broadway somewhere. Didn't you say the ceiling was all ripped out of the bathroom or something? I had no idea. But he went there to fast and pray. Well, guess what? That was nothing but a stinking party hotel. So it was pretty hard to fast and pray all night when people were having parties. But he did it. He kept pressing in, pressing in, pressing in, pressing in. So don't tell, don't, don't, don't talk about giving up when the battle gets a little hard. One hole here in that closet. I really highly respect my husband. I'm the one that wanted to give it up. So don't tell. Don't tell me that you want to grow in love, love God, serve God, and then not show up or avail yourself to every training opportunity that you can possibly attend in this church. Wednesday night service, Sunday meetings, youth ministry, when we get together to fellowship. You know, the Bible talks about fellowship and acts. They went from house to house breaking bread. If you don't have money for food just come self-control since you have faith add self-control you might say pastor Peggy I just can't control myself <laughs> can I ask just ask can I just say to you whatever what if I just said whatever you know a lot of pastors want big churches they don't want to be available. They want to preach just what everybody's going to like and not get upset at. And not have to do anything. They don't want to mess with the people. They just want to preach whatever's, whatever's good, whatever sounds good, whatever's easy. That's not us. I'm sorry. I can't. You know, when, when someone says to me, I can't control myself, there's just something in me that wants to do everything I can to help you get out of, get out of whatever, you're, whatever that's, whatever's trying to, to destroy you. There's just something there. It's God. I can't, I can't just let somebody just go and do whatever. Go whatever. It, I just can't. Unless they flat out say, I don't want your help then I have to say, okay. When we, when did we begin to swallow that lie from the enemy? I just can't control myself. Sometimes it would be easier to just say whatever, go do whatever. But you know what? When you're in the ministry, you have to give an account to God. I don't want to stand before God and have him say, why don't you help? Why don't you do everything you could to help those people? Why'd you say whatever once? There's, you know, when you teach, even those people that are over there teaching, Laurel, when you're teaching the kids, there's an account. We are done. I'm not done with the sermon.
but we're gonna have to continue this. Two more pages. I hope you got something out of it. One year. One year. Every day he'd go in. I don't know what, I think I brought you a sandwich or something. Sometimes he didn't eat. And he'd stay in there. I mean, it was, how big was that closet? You know, you were in there a year, so how big was it? Pardon? He said not big. Huh? Two foot deep? Three foot? Three by three or three by five? It was something like that. Okay, let's pray. Father, I just thank you and praise you. Glorify your name for the word that went forth tonight. And I ask you, Father God, to bless every person that's here and every person that will hear this tape. I ask you to minister life to each one of us. If we're in any one of these situations or circumstances, God, I thank you that you are our deliverer and you are the one that sets us free and you've paid the price. I thank you, Father, that greater are you that's in us than he that's in the world. And Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to minister to each person this week as they go and do what you've called them to do and that people will be there at the fellowship after church in the afternoon on Sunday. And we give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah.